Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivy, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Hope you've had a wonderful week. Sorry for the delay in getting this podcast episode out to you. Uh, again, we were, um, again, kind of out of town on Monday. It was Britt's birthday. Happy birthday or happy belated birthday. Thanks. You also got your vaccine. Yep. And so you weren't feeling that great. So we just didn't get around to doing the episode. And then we did sit down last night after our class and record. And an hour and five minutes later, I decided I, had to, I wasn't happy with it. Well, it was a bit of a, we both kind of went off on some tangents, so it, may not have flowed very well. Yeah, I got a feeling it didn't. And I slept last night thinking, I don't, I don't think I want to put that episode up. So we are re-recording on Friday morning. Emotions are more chill. Yes. Because it was an emotional episode. Yeah. So it, it, it was an emotional episode. But this is, this episode is, is going to be a little bit more kind of in your face. Which I think a lot of ours are kind of in your face. And I do... I'm one to always tell the truth and be honest with people. and You're pretty blunt. Set expectations. I try to do it in the most professional way. Um, but I feel like this needs to be said. And people need to understand. And it's going to probably piss some people off. But I think this needs to be said. And not necessarily, I think, to my clients or our regular listeners. But I think that there are people out there that need to hear this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's going to be basically the bottom line is that dogs do not love unconditionally. What? So it's, uh, I know a lot of people are like, what do you mean? I say that dogs don't love unconditionally because I think that when people believe that their dogs will love them no matter what, I think it almost gives some people a pass to be an asshole to their dog. Mm. Yeah. Right. So... 
I think that they feel like that they can do anything they want to stop bad behavior and the dog's still going to love them and still want to be with them. It sort of justifies that aversive, those aversive techniques. Yeah. And, and I, I hate that we're even having to talk about this because, you know, when I started training, aversive techniques was all that we had. Mm -hmm. It's not all that we had, but it was all that we really knew. And I had used aversive training and and I was not happy with it. After about a year, I was looking to do another career. Mm -hmm. Uh, But luckily I, you know, found operant conditioning like I found it. Um, I, I discovered it, um, but I was introduced to it in more detail and, and been using that ever since. But I think that, you know, for a while their positive training was being the main type of training and we were really pushing for it and people it's, it's being out there, but I feel like that in the last five or six months, we've gotten a lot of calls and a lot of questions about the use of aversive techniques. Well, I think. Not just calls and questions, but people who are actually frustrated that we in no way advocate for those techniques. I mean, people are upset that we don't, which is strange because we have so many people call and are happy that we're, we, I'm not a trainer, that Nikki and Gray are <laughs> our positive trainers. Um, so yeah, there's definitely been an uptick in people questioning why we don't use shot collars and pinch collars and things like that. I think that's one of the, I know one of the issues in our area is that we do have several training places, training facilities that, um, you know, they are either from a um, franchise type. So they have a little bit more money to where they're advertising big, you know, Mm -hmm. they're wrapping their cars, they're, you know, traveling around town in these big cars, and it's, they've and it's got production and, teams, and they've for got God's production sake. teams for. Us. So yeah. it's, I think that that's kind of being put in people's faces a lot more than you know. We're not a huge company; we are busy as can be, but we're just two trainers working on getting, <clears throat> excuse me, some more. But we also don't feel like we need to to run around, you know, throwing that out there. I, I think that people do a really good job at finding us. And, and I, I'm one of the probably oldest trainers in the area, meaning I've been around for the mm-hmm. longest, one of the longest times. But I think that there, there's that people are kind of at this point, I think after the pandemic, they're so frustrated and feel so out of control with everything that they just want one thing that they can control. And they kind of want that one quick fix. Yeah. And I feel like that these companies are saying here, let us fix your dog in two weeks. Mm -hmm. And, and I know we preached about it, but I think we have to keep preaching about it is that putting a shot collar on a dog and suppressing behavior does not fix your dog. There is no fixing your dog in two weeks. Yeah. I mean, if you want to work on jumping, I can teach you the technique on working on jumping it's nothing that's going to be painful or scary for your dog, but it's going to take you, you know, a couple of weeks to really get into the habit, let the dog start to learn, and then you're going to have a couple up and down moments. Um, but it's about teaching the dog that it just doesn't work, not that if you do it, it causes pain, mm-hmm. which is what aversive training really does. Yeah. So I think, I, I don't know, I, I feel like it's, I mean... I know that we all have to continue to grow when we're doing this. And I have been an adamant uh, anti-harness for so long. Mm -hmm. And now recently I use harnesses for reactive dogs on leash. Mm -hmm. 
But I'm also being a little bit more relaxed with like harness use in my class mm-hmm. where I don't really like it, but I know that sometimes it's needed Yeah, um, because I want to make sure that people are able to do the techniques. But even in that situation, I feel like that that's still slow for some people that they're just adamant at wanting something to stop the dog from pulling immediately, like a prong collar, a shock collar, and they're just so confused at why I don't recommend that. Yeah, especially because you are seeing um, people who, you know, they're around their, they're seeing their family's dogs or friends' dogs who are on pinch collars and shock collars and things. And they're like, well, that worked for them and it's working well, I don't understand why we can't do that. We're getting a lot of that. Yeah, and and I know what you think you're seeing is that it's working well, but I'm going to tell you it's not. Scientifically, it is scientifically proven that aversive techniques will create fallout behavior, which basically means that the dog you may you may be suppressing one behavior like pulling on a leash, but you're going to get fallout behavior like fear and reactivity. Um, or just even the insecurity of being out in public on a walk with you if they've had a history of pain. Mm-hmm. And I know people say, well, if the collars fit it right, it doesn't cause pain. And I got to tell you guys, stop. Stop. Has anyone ever just put it around their own neck and like had somebody yank on it real hard? I doubt it. They put it on and say, well, I felt it didn't hurt. Here's the thing about aversive, guys. Put it on real, real, like fit it correctly to yourself up behind your ears and yeah. have somebody yank you up on it. Or put it on your thigh. I mean, don't. That's a, the That's thigh part is a really good place a horrible to try. Idea. Don't do it. Now, aversive techniques work because they're aversive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same as, you know, spanking your kid. It works because the, it hurts. We all know, though, that there's a better way to do it. Exactly. Aversive t- techniques work because they're aversive. If they're not aversive to the dog, then it's not going to work. So, yeah, I can see there are some dogs, say, with a prong collar that has a lot of hair that it doesn't work on. And people are like, well, the prong collar doesn't work for this dog. Well, no, because it doesn't hurt because there's a lot of hair. Mm -hmm. You yank on it. So then that creates people having to yank on it harder. So they choke them instead. Right. So aversive techniques... They suppress behavior because they hurt. So don't let people tell you, well, I use a shot call. I just use the beep. I just use the low setting. Stop with your shit, guys. Yeah. It drives me crazy. And and I say this because it, I need to speak to you from the dog's point of view. If you could imagine me walking around, following you around, and I shock you a couple times with a collar. I don't have to shock you again to keep you on edge. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is follow you around with that remote control in my hand and occasionally give you a beep, a warning beep. Would that warning beep not cause as much anxiety, if not more? For sure. How many times did you, because uh, I know this happened to me, Of I remember that I had gotten in trouble running through sprinklers at my aunt's house and my dad was mad at me. He was, and he was like, you wait till we get home. And I was like, oh shit, I'm going to get my ass whooped when I got home. Let me tell you something, that whole car ride home. Oh, that is the That car ride home was horrible. Yeah. I was so panicked on the entire ride home. And that to me was almost worse than the spanking. Mm -hmm. I ended up not getting the spanking. I think it was. But that's some psychological. Bingo. And I did. I got spankings growing up, right? And I turned out fine. And people are like, well, you turned out fine. Well, yeah, I did turn out okay. But it doesn't mean that I don't have 
maybe some fallout behaviors from that, Mm -hmm. some trauma from that. So, you know, when, when people say, well, I don't have to shock the dog, I just give the warning beep. I will tell you that is just as bad because physical harm, it hurts, it heals. But you can't really do physical harm without emotional harm. Yeah. All physical harm is going to affect you emotionally. Well, yeah. I mean, you're not going to trust the person that's supposed to be protecting you. Right. And taking care of you. Right. So it's, it's, and this is why I say dogs don't love unconditionally. There'll be a point in time where dogs will stop suppressing behavior and they'll start lashing out or they will absolutely run away from you when they get a chance. Because it's called survival. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, they hang with people more often than not. God bless them. I know. They, they are loyal. But at some point, I think that loyalty has to break for survival. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it with, um, you know, a friend of ours has a, has a neighbor. Um, sweetest little dog ever. But this dog runs from her constantly. Oh, yeah. Not like, hey, I'm going to go visit the neighbors. But like, oh, hey, you frightened me. And then doesn't want to go back with her, which makes her even madder. Yeah. And then she escalates. And then the dog is even more shut down. I mean, it's really. It's sad. It's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Because the dog's Those are those times where you're like, sort of want to like accidentally. Put you in my car. Put you like, oh, I didn't know you were in here. <laughs> Oops. I mean, it's true, but that's that's true. It's the dog is like, I'm going to go visit the neighbors because the neighbor's nice to me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come home. Yeah. Right. Think about it. If your dog is running away a lot, why? If you take the dog to the dog park and you can't get the dog to come back to you to leave, why? Yeah. Is it a lack of training or is it the dog just doesn't trust you and doesn't really care for you that much, but stuck with you? Right. I mean, it. But we have to learn that just because there's a behavior that's inconvenient for us, it is not right for us to cause pain and harm to a dog because it's an inconvenient to us because the dog can take it or yeah. it's or the dog's going to love me anyway. Yeah. I mean, just because something makes you uncomfortable and we sort of in our deleted oh, episode, yes. uh, we talked about this. Uh, from a from a child's point of view, because you were saying that dogs have the intelligence of a two year old, yes, at least, yes. And think about how children communicate with their parents or other other humans, grown ups. They don't know how to talk, so there's you know crying, whining, those sorts of things. That's the only way they know how to communicate. And yeah, you may be in a restaurant and that's embarrassing to you or frustrating, but you don't beat the hell out of your kid. I mean, some people do, unfortunately. And like I said last night, there are, you know, instances of infants who don't even cry because they've been taught with aversives that that's not, that's not okay to do, that pain is associated with crying when all they're trying to do is express themselves. They're saying, I need something. So a dog does the same thing. Whether it's barking, whining, you know, screaming like Isabella does on a leash, which is super <laughs> embarrassing to me, you know, especially because it's you're Nikki's married to dog. a trainer. Yeah. Um, Don't you put that evil on me. <laughs> Don't you say it's Nikki's dog. 
But I have to realize that she's communicating something to me. She's uncomfortable about something. She's amped up about something. My job isn't to correct that behavior. My job is to teach her how to work through that. Uh, Just as your job as a parent or a guardian is to teach your kid how to work through that. Um, and, And your job is to be the leader and to be the rock, not to. To be something else for the dog to be afraid of. Yeah. Or your child to be afraid of. I, I read this thing on Facebook that a, a friend of mine posted uh, who's a child advocate. And this, it was a quote from a, from a man who said, and never, when something happens with my kids, I never want their first thought to be, oh shit, dad's going to kill me. I want it to be, oh shit, I need to call dad. And I think, you know, there are a lot of us who grew up in, that was oh, that was our first thought. Oh my God, mom or dad's going to kill me because this happened. And we really need to reframe the way we think about, you know, training our dogs, teaching our children. Um, I love that they're not property. They're we're they're simply, living. Yeah, we're guardians. Yeah, and I know. I know we say dog owners. Yeah. Um, it's just you know easier. Maybe we do need to change that, but. Yeah, our job is to facilitate learning and a relationship. And not just to to suppress behavior because it's an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Let me, I mean, guys, your dogs aren't doing things just to piss you off. If they're peeing in the house when you're gone, it's not because they're mad you didn't take it with them. They're not little manipulators like humans, right? Um, they're communicating something. Maybe there is some stress when you're leaving the house. Maybe you didn't give them a chance to potty. Maybe, Maybe they, they have a urinary tract infection. Yeah. Maybe they're not housebroken. Yeah. So there's all there's all kinds of reasons, but it's when we punish and when we want to take the. I want to. I don't want to say the easy route because it's not. Uh, if you do our training, it may take a little longer to get the result that you're wanting, but it'll last. It won't fall apart as easily. It's more concrete, um, and it really is an easier way to train. It's a lot stressful on the human. Mm-hmm. it's a lot less work on the human um, and your timing cannot be real good. Whereas you have wrong timing on aversive techniques, you are going to create serious issues. Yep. Um, but even good timing on aversive techniques, you can create serious issues. Mm-hmm. There is no place for it in pet dog training. I agree. Period. I think you said something last night too about the misconception of mother dogs biting uh, puppies. And we use that as a uh, way to justify using a pinch collar. Yeah. That it mimics the bite of a mother. Yeah. So a mother doesn't bite a dog on the neck. Uh, if they're young puppies, they need to be moved. They'll pick them up that way and move them. Um, but they stick with the regular uh calming signals. Uh, you've got your snap and your bite, but your bite is just a, a snap that makes contact mm-hmm. and it's used for calming purposes. But if you watch a litter of pups with the mother, she's going to use a lot of passive signals first. If they get too rough, they get too rowdy. She's going to start sniffing the ground. She's going to start ignoring. She's going to start moving away. And she'll do this until the pup follows suit. It's very rare that you're ever going to see a mother do something like that. Um, this whole fake biting thing with fingers and noises y'all okay 
<laughs> the other day at the dog park, I wanted to lose my mind. Um, I was working with a client, and a guy is walking up with his young son and a dog on a harness with a flexi lead. Um, and the dog would start to walk out too far. He would lock it. He'd go, easy. And then they'd start walking again. Dog would walk too far. He'd lock it. Easy. And I thought, our dogs are looking at you like you're. I know. And I thought, dude, number one, you're not teaching him how to walk. Two, (laughs) he doesn't know when you're going to lock that thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was so frustrated. And then I'm watching this kid who's going to learn from his parent. And when the dog does something, he's going to try to do this noise. And dog's going to be like, I'm sorry. You my size. Yeah. You want to play that game. All right, you want to meet aversive with aversive? We can do that. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just, it was stupid to me. I was like, you are, that is absolutely one of the most idiotic things I've ever seen. Do you even know what you're doing? No, you don't. And and it makes me mad because the poor dog, and you could tell the dog was not making eye contact with him. He was not noticing him. All he wanted to do was to get in there and get away. Yeah. And it was just, I thought, yeah, this dog, they're going to have problems later on. With this dog, because the owner, it was inconvenient walking him to the dog park. So instead of focusing on teaching him what we wanted, he just wanted to immediately stop it mm-hmm. and use aversive techniques to do so. Yeah. And so that dog is going to end up with behavior issues. And it's going to be issues like leash reactivity. Um, and it's going to probably get into some fear aggression. And so there are going to be some issues that come with that. It's just, it's ridiculous that we think that we can take a living organism with a brainstem and, a, you know, and their own thought processes and punish them for doing something that is natural, like barking, and punish them and think that they're going to love us forever. Yeah. Our job is to, to work to understand them. I mean, you know, every child is different. Every dog is different. And I, I keep throwing the kid thing in there because I it's, think people understand that. And, you know, if you have three kids, each of them is going to have their own different personality. You can't, I mean, people do try, but look at how anxious these kids are as adults to mold them into what you want them to be and to push them in directions that you want them to go in instead of nurturing who they are and making them the best version of themselves. You know, when I got Isabella, I thought she was going to be like Jake, you know, this chill. <laughs> Y'all, I got a border collie. Yeah, not even close. Like, my job is not to make her into a Jake. My job is to help her be an awesome border collie. Yeah. And and that's what, you know, I tell people, it's it's look at your dog, meet them where they are, and help them get them where you want them to be. But when you can meet them where they are, it's going to help you to understand clearly where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't take a dog just because you want to run agility. You you can't take a dog and just make them into an agility dog if they don't have that desire, if they don't have that um, that athletic ability. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's when I picked out my dogs for search and rescue, I did extensive tests with a an entire litter to pick what I wanted for my style of search and rescue. I didn't want the bloodhound. I didn't want to be attached to a leash running through the woods. I didn't want the uh, border collies. I didn't want the uh, German shepherds that are fast and they're moving through and they're very quick on their feet. And I wanted a more methodical dog. And that's why I ended up with the Rottweiler, that they're much more methodical in their work 
as, um, aspect of things and at least for what I was using them for. Uh, but it's like I couldn't take a dog, you know, that loves to use their eyes and mm-hmm. teach them how to be a search and rescue dog. Yeah. Like you take in like a cattle dog. Cattle dogs don't use their nose. Cattle dogs are all about eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can't take a cattle dog and say, I know you'd, you'd rather use your eyes, but I'm going to teach you to use your nose so that you can do search and rescue mm-hmm. or nose work. That's not going to work. That's not That's not what they are. And so, you know. When we look at a dog who, let's say somebody gets a chihuahua and then they call us because the dog is barking all the time. Oh, that's weird. Chihuahua barking. Right? (laughs) Did you know what you were getting? Did you pick out the chihuahua? Did you do your research? I'm not saying that we have to accept excessive barking. It's not what I'm saying. But don't be looking at a dog going, okay, your personality gets on my nerves and your behavior gets on my nerves, so I'm just going to punish it and cause pain to get it to stop because it's bothering me. Mm-hmm. We've got to stop being selfish in the relationship we have with our dogs. Yeah. It is a 51-49 split. I stick with that. You're 51% part of the relationship. You do get final say-so because you are the lead guardian. But dogs should have 49% responsibility for their behavior where they can think, they can use their brain, they can problem solve. Um, and then they can communicate to you what their needs are and you can meet that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but when you sit there and say, well, I'm 98% and you're only two. And that 2% is only when I want you to come cuddle with me. I mean, I've literally had people be like, I want to be able to pet my dog wherever I want. Well, sorry. That's not appropriate. Yeah. That's like saying, well, you're my girlfriend. I should be able to touch you anytime I want, anywhere I want. Yeah. Trigger warning. Because yeah. I probably should have said that first. But really, it's it 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 just blows my mind that people who love dogs think so little of them, if it can even be in the same mm. yeah. package. Yeah. We love them, but we think so little of them. It's it's abusive. Well, yeah, it is. And again, it goes back to the um objectification. Of them, you know, I love my car, but it doesn't have emotions. And I mean, it may, I don't know, hopefully not. I hope, <laughs> I, hope I don't have a Christine. Uh, but a dog is, I mean, that's, that's not what a dog is. No, they, they have their own beings and they are, they are equivalent, equivalent to the um, intelligence of a two-year-old. So if you can imagine a two-year-old having a fit in a grocery store and somebody beating them or putting a shock collar on them to stop them from having a fit in the grocery store, you would be appalled and that person would be arrested. But yet we think it's okay to do it with dogs. Why? In Europe, it is absolutely illegal to use aversive techniques. Shock collars, prong collars, choke chains are all banned in Europe. You cannot use those techniques. Mm. We are way behind the time. Obviously. We should ban them. It should be banned from personal use. Um, there's no point in it. There's no reason for it. Mm-mm. And I think that it it says something about us as human beings when we feel like it's okay to treat another living organism that way, one that we claim to love. And I'm, you know, majority of our listeners uh, are dog lovers who are using positive reinforcement. But I know that there are people out there that are still using those aversive techniques because I see them. Yeah. I see them walking all with their chest all out, like, look at my dog walking off leash next to me as they're carrying a remote control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not impressed that your dog is minding you because it's fearful. Not impressed at all. And I want 
dog owners who are looking for training, don't be impressed by, by dogs that are responding for the fear from fear. Mm-hmm. You don't want your dog doing something from, you know, the fear of the correction, the fear of the shot collar. That, that dog's not learning anything. Cause as soon as the, the, uh, as soon as that shot collar is off, the dog is going to go right back doing what it was doing. Mm-hmm. You haven't taught it anything, but to avoid you and avoid the correction. Yeah. And I, and I can't even tell you how many clients we do get that have, um, had their dog trained using aversive techniques. And now we are dealing with a lot of behavior issues. And I, I hear it all the time. I sent my dog off for training for two weeks, four weeks, and it came back a different dog, yeah. not in a good way. The personality was gone. There was no bonding. There was no mm-hmm. real love. Dog couldn't focus. Yeah. So I think it just, I'm frustrated because I really thought that our fight against aversive techniques, that we were really, we were really winning. But I feel like that since the pandemic, people are so frustrated and they want something they can control and something they can fix immediately. And I feel like aversive training is is making a comeback to a point. Yeah. And And like you said, too, the marketing is there for it. Yeah. Um, Even looking at, you know, the incident with the Biden dog, which I know you don't want to really get into that and why, you know, and diagnose that issue. But reading an article, um, I don't remember which newspaper it was or magazine where they brought in celebrity trainers to sort of get into, to analyze that situation. Well, part of these trainers are balanced or aversive trainers. And I mean, their information was way, way off. I mean, it was, the advice they were giving was not good. Um, and, and so I think, you know, things like that have kind of put that in the forefront as well. Not, yeah, but- not that I think that the Bidens are using, you know, aversive techniques or oh, anything no, like that no. with the dog. But I mean, just those trainers weighing in on it when they weren't addressing dog behavior at all. Bingo. In the article. They're Bingo. Just, hey, here's. The only thing they were right about was saying, well, it probably wasn't the dog's fault. But their reasoning for it was was way off base, and their and that's their fix for it was well. And good. that's what most aversive trainers do. Most aversive trainers don't have a clue about dog behavior. Mm-hmm. Their their job is to, um, in their mind, aversive trainers basically go, "Oh, your dog is lunging at people when on a leash. We can stop that. We shock them every time they see a person in lunge. Every time they lunge, we shock them. Look, fixed it. Dog doesn't lunge anymore." The problem is that they only looked at the external behavior. Any external behavior you're getting, like we said earlier, there's a reason for it. There's a motivation behind it. When you have someone who understands dog behavior, and that's what I do the majority of the time is dog behavior, you got to look at the motivation. What is causing this issue? You know, if I have somebody who is um, having a panic attack and literally is, is having to breathe into a bag because they're having a panic attack and they're hyperventilating, I, I my job isn't to fix the symptom of the hyperventilation. Mm-hmm. My job is to locate the reason why you had a panic attack and start hyperventilating and to work on that. Yeah. If I don't fix that anxiety and I say you can no longer hyperventilate, you have to find another way to exhibit it. Yeah. And it may be more destructive. Maybe now you're 
hurting yourself, yeah. harming yourself. So when we look at dogs and we go, okay, uh, my dog is lunging on leash. I'm going to use a shock collar. Well, he, he never longer lunges. Okay, but now he is aggressive towards guests that come into our home. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Oh, I do. Because you've made him see that people and you in the same room, strangers and you together, is a negative for him. So he's going to keep them away as much as possible. You can't just look external behavior. And I've gotten so frustrated. And there have been clients in my past who I've, you know, this dog has serious behavior issues and serious emotional issues. And we're working through it. And we're making strides. And we're helping this dog. But all of a sudden, it just wasn't going fast enough. And they weren't doing their part. And it was too much work on them. And now the dog is on a shock collar. And the tra- the owner's like, yes, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. And recommending everybody to use shock collars. And I'm like... It's frustrating. I-, I am disgusted. Don't tell me you love that dog when you chose to cause pain to fix your dog's emotional problems. Because it was too inconvenient for you. Mm-hmm. So I know y'all probably don't hear me get mad very often. I'm a pretty lighthearted, fun person. But I am very frustrated when it comes to these moments. Because for me, I am—I know I'm a people trainer. I train more people than I do with the dogs. But I am here to speak for dogs. I am here to help people understand what they're saying. What their needs are. How to help them be the best version of themselves. Not the best version of what you have in your mind. Mm-hmm. Because I would love, I would have loved Double D to be like Tiba, mm-hmm. but she's not. I tried for a couple of years to make that happen, and it didn't. She's who she is. <laughs> I had to meet her where bless, she was. Bless her, bless her heart. But it is frustrating. Um, so I think that just the bottom line is is our job of being guardians over these dogs is to understand them, learn how to communicate with them really build a true relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And that takes time. It takes work. It takes commitment. Um, but it's not to turn them into some robot that's too scared to do anything. Just to make your ego better. Just to stroke your ego. Just to make your life easier. If you want an easy life, don't get a dog. Get a cat. <laughs> Don't, don't be in a relationship, period. Don't be in a relationship. <laughs> if you if you don't want to put the work into it, don't get into a relationship. Because it's what it is. It's a relationship. And you have to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And I promise you that your dogs, if they were probably given a choice, if you've screamed at your dogs all the time, if you use aversives all the time, if they had a choice, they'd probably run away and not come back. They are loyal creatures. But at some point, even the most loyal will leave and and there's day and barking i think the male lady thank you d go get them so day is our rottweiler so she's our protective natural protector we'll let her bark some and then we'll use our that's enough if we need to she's being pretty good right now so it's you know that's the thing is is there are times that i get frustrated with my dogs i come home and i'm frustrated and uh, sometimes i have trigger stacking and you know but uh, that once in a blue moon of like screaming at your dog to shut up <laughs> or shut the f- up, that's not what I'm talking about. We're human, right? We're all going to have moments where we have short fuses. Um, I, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is saying your behavior annoys me. I'm not putting in the work. I just want it fixed right now. Yeah. So 
here is a cattle prod. I'm going to stick you with it and poke you with it every time you bark. Now my life is better. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about occasionally going, shut up for fuck's sake. I'm telling you, I have all kinds of, I love when I ask people, how do you handle the barking? I get that line quite a bit. Yeah. You know, quiet, hush, shut the f up. (laughs) So, you know, I know that the majority of our listeners, you guys are continuing to learn and educate yourself and grow that relationship. And when you can do that, it is a most beautiful thing when you have this relationship with a dog. And I think you can look in their eyes and know at that moment that they love you unconditionally. But I think if you're going the route that you want to cause pain and discomfort and you want to just quick fixes and you just want the dog to be what you want it to be, you're going to miss out on that amazing relationship and you're going to do serious harm to that dog's psyche. And you may not see it in everyday activities, but I promise you that dog is not as good as it could be. So get away from the shock collars, the prong collars, the choke chains. Get away from trainers who don't understand dog behavior. Get away from trainers that just want to look at an external behavior and fix it. When people call and say, "We, I just want to fix this external behavior. Well, this is how we do it. And if you don't want to go through the steps, then we're not for you. Mm-hmm. And I feel sorry for your dog. I mean, I we had this, you know, we, we lost a client to, um, you know, that I did a session with them. They had a biting dog. I did a session with them. They were struggling. And next thing I know, they're canceling their appointment. And as I'm asking why are we canceling this appointment after they threatened to shoot the dog, um, I haven't heard from them. So now I'm sitting here frustrated. And I think this is where a lot of my frustration is coming from. Now I'm frustrated because I'm thinking, did I not do enough for that dog to save that dog's life? Mm -hmm. Are they going to euthanize that dog because they didn't want to put the work in? Yeah. Did I not have, you know, did I, could I have done something different to give them at least enough of a... But then I'd look back and go, no, I did exactly what I needed to do to help that dog and start the path of recovery mm-hmm. and give the suggestions that I need to, to, you know, change the environment for the dog. But now I won't know because I can't get any response. And that's frustrating for me because I know that I was the only voice for that dog. Yeah. So... I think that's where a lot of this comes from. And I think it's just, it was just something I felt like I needed to put out there. I'm sorry it wasn't a warm and fuzzy, funny episode. But I think it just needed to be said. And most of my listeners probably don't need to hear this. But I think that most of my listeners know people that need to hear this. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you guys to, um, you know, share it. Put it out there. Make it go viral. Let's have one episode go viral. I mean, I would love for it to be my Nickyisms, <laughs> But... <laughs> But this one is good to go viral because people need to understand that what they're doing to their dog, they're seeing it from an external place when I am helping them understand their dogs from an internal emotional place. Yeah. That's all I got. That's all I can emotionally. <laughs> that's all I can emotionally spent. do today. Emotionally spent. I mean, because really it's, it's like, okay, so yesterday Gray and I had a dog who, um, Poor Gray. He got bit on the ankles yesterday. <laughs> I laugh because, I mean, I've been bitten so many times, but it was, but the thing is, with somebody else looking at the dog, then we're, they're looking at, let's stopping that barking and attacking. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do need to manage that so the dog's not able to do it. But I had to look at the reason behind it mm-hmm. and it's all fear-based, you know, so we work on the fear portion of it. 
And by the end of it, he the dog wasn't biting Gray anymore. You know, he was like, oh, Gray's great. So, I mean, it's, it's, again, I just want people to understand that, look, stop looking at your external behaviors. If there's an external behavior that's happening and you don't like it, call us. We'll help you understand what is driving it from the inside and, and fix it mm-hmm. without losing your dog's personality, without making your dog aggressive, fearful, nervous, anxiety-ridden, and without using tools that should be banned. For sure. Yeah. That's all I got. All right, I'm man. drained. <laughs> I'm drained, and it's the start of the day, and I've got two more days of work. We have no other business to talk about. We need to get a communication seminar scheduled. We'll get that scheduled. Um, I think we're ready to do one in person. Mm-hmm. So the communication is huge. If you want to really grow that relationship with your dog, the communication uh, is the first step, understanding how dogs communicate. So if you have an opportunity to do that live, that's the best way. But uh, we'll probably do another Zoom one because uh, I know we have listeners that are out of the state, out of the country yeah. as well. So uh, we appreciate you guys. And we know, just know this episode really was not for our regular listeners. We know you guys love your dogs and and are doing everything you can to be better and become better uh, in the relationship with them and understanding them. And I appreciate you and I love you for that. And your dog does too, I promise you. But I know that you know somebody who is just insistent in using aversive techniques because of either their lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, or sometimes just pure laziness or just maybe not niceness. Oof. And you know what? That's a whole other... Exactly, right? I don't want you going, well, I would send this to them, but they won't listen. Look, send it to them. Forward this to them. Let them make the choice to listen or not. And you know what? They may listen to it once and it may not change a thing. But if they hear it over and over again, they'll slowly start to come around. Mm -hmm. Help me help all these other dogs. Because remember, it is about the dogs and speaking for them. That's all I got. I'm tired. All right, then. I'm going to go to work now. Um, I appreciate you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, a great weekend and I enjoy this beautiful weather. If you're having any, I know we are here in Tennessee, um, even though we're going to be having more storms again coming, I guess, tomorrow. Yuck, yuck. But uh, we do want you guys to to get out and work uh, with your dogs. If you need a little extra help, check out our Patreon page. We have some videos up on teaching place and stay, some check-ins and leave-its, all kinds of fun things. And um, also, if you've never checked out, if you're local and you've never checked out the nonprofit we work for, Retrieving Independence, please check that out, riservicedogs.org. We could use some new volunteers. We have new puppies coming in, um, and this is all about service dog training. So check it out, riservicedogs.com. If you have, you know, maybe you've got an older dog that you're like, yeah, I could handle a younger dog or a puppy on the weekends. Uh, My dog would love to have a little buddy, and maybe he just needs a buddy, but not one that you want living with you all the time. Um, and give you a lot of free training, mm-hmm. which is awesome. So check it out if you um, have a little extra time in your world, in your life. Um, and that free training also helps you to train your own dog. So there you go. All right, Rich, got anything to say? Nope. All right. I hope you guys have a <laughs> wonderful week. We love you and we really, really appreciate you. Um, and if you have any podcast episode ideas, just give us a shout out, info at dogspeak101.com. And I promise next week we are going to have, and I say next week, I'm going to have it out Monday or Tuesday. We are going to do uh, the episode on barrier aggression issues. So barking in the backyard, along the fence line, windows, all those fun things we're going to talk about. All right. Have a wonderful week.